your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, and I kind of want to give a little precursor to where we're going um, today. You know, we have been in big faith and talking about big faith because uh, we believe that the vision says the best is yet to come. Amen. Is anyone looking for the best to come? in your life. That means that there's something better along the way than what you're doing, what you're living now. There's something more. And um, the word better is actually in this book of Hebrews 13 times. 13 times the word better shows up. And um, I began to do a little research. Um, Hebrews does not have an author that we know of. It's one of the only books that uh, does not have an author. You can pretty much find out or uh, through deductive reasoning find out who has written most of the other books, but this author, they haven't been able to tag it. A lot of it believe it's Paul, but the writing doesn't match Paul. The writing doesn't match uh, his vocabulary and his grammar and his doctrine. A lot of it just doesn't match. Some say it might have been Barnabas, uh, who we know traveled with Paul a lot, and uh, another one is Apollos. Um, another one is Apollos, who they think may have written it, but we just don't know. Um, the timing of the book is also quite unsure. But we do know this, that when the book was written, was one of the last books in the Bible to be written. You will know that there was a lot of persecution that arose uh, in the church. Uh, you find it all through Jesus' ministry. He was persecuted and Uh, made fun of and challenged on his beliefs. Um, And then you'll find in the book of Acts, but you'll mostly find that the persecution actually came from within the church people. That they were being persecuted and tried and tested by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And this is why. Uh, Christianity was a Jewish belief system. Jesus was a Jew. His 12 disciples were all Jews. Uh, And so Greeks and people that were outside of the Jewish tradition, they kind of felt like they were on the outside. But then there was also this. It reduced a lot of what the Old Testament told you to do on a daily basis. In fact, you'll find in this book here, particularly in, in Hebrews, that there's a lot said about Old Testament tradition and uh, the Mosaic law and how we have Uh, In fact, you'll find the verse, a new and better covenant is in Hebrews. Because what Jesus did is he did away with the old law of animal sacrifices and traditions. And you got to do this on this day, this many times. He did, did away with all that. And he became the one sacrifice once and for all. And so cold turkey, Jewish people are accepting Christianity and quitting all that stuff that they had been doing on a daily basis. Going to church was not fun in the Old Testament. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of killing, a lot of sacrificing. I can promise you it didn't smell good. See, we we take baths and showers, and we're, we're all nice and pretty here in church. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't like that. You were killing stuff and slitting throats and chopping things up, and that's just... That was your church service in the Old Testament. But Jesus did away with that. He was the one that took on the bodily sacrifice once and for all. That no longer has to be done. And so there was a lot of persecution and testing, uh, you know, for people that became Christians. But here, towards the end of the book of the Bible, and the Bible's not written chronologically. It's not written in timely order. But Hebrews was one of the last books written. And what came and what was about to come was a testing and trying of their faith from the outside. An emperor arose named Nero, the emperor Nero. And he hated Christians, and he hated Christianity. And where this Bible ends is with the persecution and the trying of Christians. And so the writer of Hebrews felt inclined to write a book on endurance and finishing and staying steadfast. 
And he used the word better 13 times. Better. What's he saying? The best is yet to come. You haven't seen nothing yet. But yet there is a persecution and a trying. You realize that Nero is basically, uh, he tried to wipe out all Christians off of the face of the planet. And he's the one that ultimately burned down the temple that David built. It's not in existence today because of this man. Burned it down. And Christians were coming in, were about to step into some, mo- some of the most torturous times. Disciples that we love like James and John and Peter were about to be crucified. We're about to be boiled in hot water, boiled in oil. They were about to have their heads chopped off for being labeled a Christian. They couldn't get rid of John, the disciple. And so they put him on an island called Patmos to die. And that's where Jesus showed up to him and gave him the book of Revelations. They were about to endure some of the worst torture they had ever faced. The, uh, being beaten on your back and being let go was nothing. Being jailed and put in stocks for a couple days was nothing compared to what was about to come. Yet the writer of this book says that something better is coming. The writer of this book, Hebrews, makes a lot of allusions and makes a lot of reference to the Old Testament. To the Old Testament. And he refers to a story in the Old Testament multiple times of a group of people that had to endure knowing that there was a promise to be obtained. How many of you know there's a promise to be obtained? I hope you know there's a promise, otherwise you're living for nothing. The promise is why you're here. The promise is why you're on the face of this planet. The promise of the kingdom being advanced and coming and being on this earth. That's your promise. If you don't know the promise, then you don't know why you're getting up tomorrow. You don't know why you go to your job. You don't know why you make money. You don't know why you have kids. You don't know why you're in relationships. You have no purpose in life because it's tied to the promise that God has. That's why people who don't know Jesus are outside of the promise and they're living their lives in the dark, wandering, the Bible says. But when you come to know Jesus and you come to understand the revelation of the kingdom of God, now your life is given purpose. There's a promise. So the writer of Hebrews is trying to put focus, forward focus. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't become sluggish, one verse says. Don't become lazy, don't become tired, don't become weak. Because here was what was happening. When this book was written, Christians were beginning to second guess their conversion to Christianity. When this book was written and the readers of this book were beginning to second guess, why did I become a Christian? Here's one thing. Everybody has heard this. And this isn't just something for today. This is something that every Christian has heard since Acts chapter 2. Jesus is coming soon. Well, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. Over 2,000 years we have heard, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming soon. Well, these people here in the book of Hebrews, the readers of this book, that this letter was specifically written to, we're literally looking for the coming of Jesus. And we're told to earnestly wait for the coming of Jesus. We're told that he'll come like a thief in the night. I mean, we're told to be expected. But these writers, or these readers, were beginning to second guess because he hasn't come yet. Why why did I become a Christian? Why? Why? Why did I accept this man? I'm being persecuted by people within the church. Now I'm being persecuted by people outside of the church. I mean, these people are talking about a kingdom that's coming, and where's this kingdom at? I don't see anything changing. I still have to pay taxes to Rome. I still have to deal uh, with slavery. I have to still uh, do all these different things. The Roman Empire is at large at this time. Where's this freedom? Where's this abolishment of slavery? Where, where's all this that everyone has been talking about? Yet the writer of Hebrews, whoever he is, begins to talk in regards to remaining steadfast in the faith. 
If we are going to see greater come, you've got to endure the worst. You don't see greater come until you've endured worse. And we're looking for better. We're looking for greater. And we know here that we will never see greater until we believe for greater. Most people have never thought or pictured greater in their minds, and so they don't see it in the natural. But God acts and operates based upon what you think and imagine, the Bible says. So we've got to get ourselves in a posture of believing for greater. It's kind of what we talked about on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we talked about the waiting room. If you were not here Wednesday night, you will want to get that message because everybody at some time in your life ends up in a waiting room. The waiting room. How do I get from the prayer to the promise? How do I get from the thing that I prayed for to seeing it in my life? You want to get that message. Because we all end up in the waiting room. And we talked about enduring. We talked about remaining steadfast. We talked about not giving up. And that's exactly who the writer of Hebrews is writing to. Don't give up. Remain steadfast. Endure to the end. This thing is for real. The one who promised is faithful to perform that which he promised. So look at this in Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 2. The title of my message today is In the Mix. We've been talking about big faith. But I want to show you today that faith is an ingredient. Faith is an ingredient. Look what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. That's what I'm going to be talking about Wednesday. Thursday is a holiday built around fear, being scared, and all this stuff. And we know the Bible, fear not, right? Nor be dismayed. He hasn't given you the spirit of fear. But I'm going to talk to you on Wednesday about the one thing that you need to be scared to death of. I'm going to talk to you on Wednesday about the one thing you need to be afraid of. That everybody in this room, you need to be afraid of something. Good, so I'll see you Wednesday. Awesome. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Who's them? Here's who he's talking about. He is referring to the story in the Old Testament of the Israelites that came out of Egypt and we're told to enter the what? Promised land. Promised land. E.D., past tense, has been promised. It's already yours. If I have promised you something, that means it already belongs to you. Now you're just in earnest expectation of receiving that which I've already promised. You don't, I didn't say I'm going to promise you or I promise. I have promised. It's already taken place. The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. So they heard the gospel. They heard the gospel. Many people hear a gospel. But I want to tell you today, hearing is not good enough. Hearing alone has never been good enough. Not since the book of Genesis. Not since the first man walked the face of this planet. Hearing has never been good enough. You've got to be in the mix. But the word which they heard did not profit them. How terrible that a word that contains so much power, so much authority, can change lives was not profitable. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. He's talking to a group of people that are in the middle of the prayer 
and the promise. They are in the middle of what they heard was coming and actually seeing it take place. There are people in this room right now that you know God has promised you something. You know there's something better, but you're in the middle of knowing there's a promise and seeing the promise. These people in the wilderness died in the wilderness. Isn't it a terrible thing that people die in the waiting room? People die there every day. Not being mixed with faith. What does profit mean? If I go buy some items to make a cake, and it costs me $25, and I sell the cake for $25, did I profit anything? No. Profit means after you have spent everything, you still have something left over. See, some of us are spending. We're spending time. We're spending resources. We're spending gifts and abilities. But in the end, we don't have anything left over. Because the Israelites, they spent. They spent 40 Years wandering around looking for a place that had been promised them. But in the end, they were unprofitable. Profit doesn't mean that you make back everything you put out. Profit means you get something more. You've ended up, you, you, you have finished with something left to hang on. God isn't looking for people just to finish. He's looking for people to finish their race. And at the end, be able to say, I spent all this, but this is what I have left. He's looking for profitable people in the kingdom of God, which they heard. It did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Let's go back to the cake. I could have all my ingredients to make a cake eggs milk sugar somebody else help me i've never made a cake <laughs> butter flour water i could have all these things sitting on a table and if you come and say hey where's that cake and i give you an egg did i give you a cake no Oh, here's a stick of butter. No, I wanted a cake. Faith is simply an ingredient. The word of God is simply an ingredient. But God is wanting to know, are you going to mix what I have, my word, with what you have, your faith? God wants us to mix his word with our faith to what? Produce a different result. You mix things to get a different result. You don't mix things so that no one goes and says, oh, wow, that's an awesome butter, flour, water, cake, milk, sugar. No, they say, what an awesome cake you mix things to get a different result he's not saying thank you for your faith and word he's saying here's your desired result when you mix your faith with his word it will produce a different result in your life it will produce a desired result in your life <laughs> so we got to have both you got to have his word on it. You can't have faith for anything that you do not have a word from God for. Can't do it. But his word will show up unproductive and unfruitful and unprofitable if we don't mix it with our faith. With our faith. Faith is an ingredient 
that gets mixed with his word to produce a desired result. So there's something we got to do. They all heard it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. What is he saying? Don't do what they did. He's talking to a group of people that are on the verge of repeating history. And you know, you've read it. You've read Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and you just say, what a bunch of stupid idiots. If that was me, I would have believed God. I would have walked right in. I would have taken that land. Really? Are you taking the promised land that God has for you today? (laughs) God's promised you something today. And you're wandering in the wilderness. And he's showing himself powerful. He's showing himself, look, I'll, I'll get you water out of a rock. I'll give you manna on the ground. I'll have birds feed you dinner. I'll give you a cloud by day and a fire by night. I'll give you that. But eventually, it's going to need your faith to walk into the promises I've already given you. He's showing him. He's showing himself powerful in your life right now. But he's showing you that power to show you here. Put faith in this. Put faith in me. I've given you my word. I told you I would take care of you. I told you I would feed you. I told you I would guide you and direct you. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you'll go. And then they get to the promised land. Look at it. Stand on the edge of it. Go and scout it out and say, we can't do it. No faith. No faith. Why did they say they couldn't do it? We remember Numbers chapter 13. We remember. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. The people are great. The people are mighty. The people are many. You know what happened? They thought they were going to walk up on their promised land and there was going to be a sign at the front door that said, vacant, come on in. But when they showed up at the promised land, they realized there's somebody else in my stuff. God must have meant another promised land. See, we get dismayed when someone else has our stuff. We get dismayed when people don't just want to hand over the stuff that we're believing God for. And we turn away. But our faith is always meant to be tested. We saw on Wednesday that our faith is always meant to be proven. Do you have the faith? The testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of your faith is there to prove that you have the faith to walk in. Because unless you have the faith, God's word will do nothing for you. We saw this happen in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus told the parable of the sower. What did Jesus say? The the sower went out to sow the word, and it landed on four different types of ground. The same seed landed on four different types of ground. But only one was profitable. Only one took the seed and brought back more than just the seed. The rest of the seed was unprofitable. It was unfruitful. Why? Why? Because the seed was no good? Because the sower didn't know what he was doing? No, because of where the seed was sown. You notice in all four of those examples, they heard the word in all four situations. Well, one of them was concrete. One one of them was hard ground and couldn't even get in there. Another one, seed went in and it tried to you know, gain a root, but there was no root system involved, and so there was nothing to stand on. It became wavy. Another one, uh, it started to sprout up, but then uh, when, when the storms came, it tore it apart. But then there was the one that went in, and it was 30, 60, 100 fold it produced. Because the hearer has a responsibility to mix faith with what is heard. So people get distraught because they start going to church and things don't just change. Well, I went to church today. I heard a good message. But we didn't do anything with the message. We didn't mix it with 
faith. We've got to get in the mix. We've got to get the ingredient tied to it. We have to continue to grow in what we're hearing. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. In verse 12. This might surprise you, but it's in the Bible, so you have to believe it. (laughs) Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Who's he talking to? He's talking to readers. He's talking to a people that are becoming unsure of their conversion. They're becoming, they're they're second guessing this whole Christianity thing. And they're beginning to fall away, beginning to come weak. And he says, brethren, beware lest any of you have an evil heart. Did you know that not walking in faith is an evil heart? Probably never associated it that way. But God doesn't just see it as, oh, they just don't have enough faith. You'll see times where Jesus addressed the multitude as being a faithless generation. Look at verse 13. Exhort one another daily while it it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Let me tell you what unbelief really is. When you choose not to believe God at his word, God sees it as a rebellion. He sees it as a sin. He sees it as just as bad as not doing what he's told you to do. Here's... See, when those Israelites, he wasn't like, oh, man, you know, they just didn't make it. That's too bad. No, he saw those Israelites as rebellious. Well, Pastor Mark, I just just don't seem to have enough faith. Then you've got a responsibility and an obligation to build and develop your faith. That's a responsibility. To develop our faith. I don't have faith for that. Well, then I need to get God's word on it, and I need to mix my faith with it. You need to become like the father of the demon-possessed boy that came to Jesus. And he said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. We got to start crying out to God and say, help my unbelief. Unbelief. Show me your faithfulness. Remind me of your faithfulness. Because looking back on what God has done will show you that he can do what he's promised you. You'll find in life that every obstacle that you come against and every mountain you come against, the next one always seems to be bigger. Right? You had to believe God for $100 one day, now you got to believe God for 1000 And then you whip that 1000 one, man, but man, now my business has grown in 10000 I got to get 10000 God is always wanting to move us from faith to faith. He's wanting to grow and develop us and strengthen us. I mean, when you go to the, when you, when you go to the gym and you start working out, it might be hard for you to first push up that 135. But you whip that. You get it. And it's not a challenge if someone says, hey, I'm going to put some 25s on there. Can you get that? 95 pounds. Well, yeah, that's easy. That's nothing. But then the challenge comes in growing your muscles and in developing to push more weight. Remember what we said in the very first message. Faith is like a muscle. We all have it, but we have developed them to a greater or lesser degree. There's kids next door that have muscles. But they're not going to push the same amount of weight as some in here that have been in the gym for years, have made a repetition 
of working out and exercising and developing and growing your muscles. But we have a responsibility to develop and grow our faith muscles. Well, how does that come? By test and trial. By putting pressure and adding weight to your faith. When you've whipped one thing, it's time to move on to the next thing. It's time to believe God for this. It's time to continue to strengthen and to continue to grow. But you know what some of us do is we're, we're like those people that uh, get in the gym for a period of time and they start to see results and things start to look good and then they fall out for two or three months. Well, guess what? When you go back, you're not going back where you left off. See, we've had faith to get to a certain level. And man, I believe God. Man, things are starting to show. And then we get out of faith and then things just become simple. God is pleased by a life of faith. So guess what? You will never live a life in the kingdom that doesn't require some form of faith. You know, people like to talk about pastors and the houses they live in and the money they make and they just, you know, it looks so easy. Well, I got to hear one of those pastors firsthand. Pastors of church in South Carolina, 15,000 plus people. You're thinking, man, he's got it all together. Look at all those people. They're tithing. They're giving. They got radio ministry. They've got TV ministry. All those people bringing in money. I mean, they're just doing awesome. (laughs) And I was in a little, I mean, there wasn't more than 100 pastors in the room with this guy. And he said, you know, people have that mis." conception that things are just easy and we just pay for stuff so easily he says i've got the same problems you do i just got more zeros behind it you got a light bill that's two hundred dollars i got a light bill that's two hundred thousand dollars you got to lay off one employee because things get tight i got to lay off a hundred employees i got the same problems you do it's just a greater degree So what's that mean? i got to have a greater degree of faith to match it. Faith has got to be mixed with God's word. And the faith that the Israelites, the, the, the things that God had done for them out of mercy and grace, because they were grumbling. They were complaining. Has God ever done something for you and you just didn't quite have the faith to do it, but he did it anyways? You need to thank him for his grace and mercy, and you need to go back and look on that and say, you were faithful to take care of me even when I didn't believe. You can take care of me when I do believe. Because the God that opened up a rock and poured water out of it wasn't about to whip all those enemies for them and have them taken go in without any faith. That required a greater degree. They should have been looking at all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders that took place and said, he did this, now he can do this. These giants, they're nothing. The Amalekites, they're nothing. The Jebusites, they're nothing. The Hittites, they're nothing. We'll take them because my God is great. He's led me all the way here. But instead, they got sluggish and lazy in their faith. They got out of the gym a little bit, and they didn't look back on the things they had done. And they did not enter the promise. They didn't enter the rest that God had for them. Go down to verse 14, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. He says, if you believe from the beginning to the end, you have become partakers of Christ. How do you see everything Jesus sees? How do you have everything Jesus has? You remain steadfast from the beginning all the way to the end. Steadfast means immovable, unshaken, 
You're not going to get me off of this. This is my position. This is my stance. I won't be moved by what I hear. I won't be moved by what I see. I won't be moved by how I feel. I'm remaining fixed in my posture. I'm steadfast from the beginning to the end. The faith that I had when I prayed is the same faith that I'll have when I obtain the promise. He's not going to let me down. We talked last week about what do you do when things get worse? What do you do when you're Jairus and you've come to Jesus and you know that your daughter is about to die? And you go and say, Master, you got to come to my house and, and lay your hands on my daughter. She'll be healed. But what do you do when you get word along the way she has died? Now what do you do? The same faith I had in the beginning is the same faith that I'll have through the process, is the same faith that I'll have that I will obtain the promise. The same faith. Jesus looked at Jairus and said, do not be afraid. Only believe. You believed me here? Keep believing. Keep believing. They've taken more money. Keep believing. My kids aren't getting any better. Keep believing. This marriage isn't getting any better. Keep believing. I still haven't found a job. Keep believing. They told me uh, that I didn't have enough credentials. Keep believing. You keep believing. You keep striving. You remain steadfast. You endure to the end. Don't become like the Israelites in the wilderness. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Notice the rest doesn't come automatically. It doesn't just fall in your lap. You're believing for the best is yet to come. I know one thing's going to get better. It becomes by an adamant decision in your life to see the best come. Be diligent. That means use all your strength and resource to see this thing come through. Be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Whose disobedience? The disobedience of the Israelites in the wilderness. I I thought they just weren't in faith. I thought they were just in unbelief. That was disobedience. See, God doesn't like it when he makes a promise to you and he's able to perform the promise, but you don't believe he can perform the promise. And now he can't get you what he needs you to have so you can perform your purpose in life. He was not excited about those issues. Oh, that's too bad. We'll just take in the 20 and unders, you know. That's okay. We'll take in the younger guys. No, he was not happy. There were many times Moses had to stand in the middle and say, don't do it, God. Don't take them out. Why? And what did he tell Moses? He said, get out of the way. I'll wipe out every single one of them, and I'll start over with you. See, we always think God is wanting to, you know, just yank everybody up to heaven, but that's not his purpose at all. Look, if God wanted to take us all to heaven so badly, he'd have already done it by now. So you're saying I'm not going to go to heaven? I mean, I prayed that prayer. That was the whole reason why. I mean, you'll go to heaven, yes. There's still a heaven, but there's still an earth, and we're still on the earth, and there's still a purpose for us to be in the earth. That's why he said, get out of the way. I'll start all over. God has always been trying to start what he began, what man messed up in Genesis. This entire time. Jesus was a start over. Jesus was a restoration of the kingdom from Genesis chapter 1. It wasn't, okay, I'll send him down, he'll die on a cross, you accept him as your Lord, and then we'll all go to heaven. That wasn't his plan. His plan was to send Jesus, die on a cross. We believe in him. We get restored back into our rightful place in the kingdom, and now we can bring heaven to earth once again. That's why you're here. Well, man, my, my job just seems like hell. That's because you're there. 
to make it heaven. My home, it's just, it's a mess. That's why you're there, to bring heaven to earth. My marriage, I mean, I don't know what's going on. This thing is just falling apart. That's why you're there, to bring heaven. That's why you're there. That's why the Israelites needed to go into the promised land. To turn it back into heaven once again. You know, Abraham lived there. You know, Abraham lived there. (laughs) Abraham and his family, they lived in Canaan, the promised land. They were already there, enjoying it. But then a famine hit. Joseph shows up, and everyone's got to go to Egypt to get food. And so now they're all out in Egypt. What happened to the promised land? Just because you come out of what God has promised you doesn't mean you're meant to be outside of it. God wants to make a way for you to get back in the promises that he has for you. But it's only going to come by steadfast, steadfast, enduring faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. You know what I love about this verse? God is faithful. God is faithful. That means you can put your faith in him. But this is what I like about it. Who also will do it. I feel like a lot of people get out of faith on some things because they don't feel like they can do it. I don't, I don't feel like I could change my marriage. I don't feel like I can get us out of debt. I don't feel like I could change my family and my home situation. Well, guess what? He never asked you to do it. He never asked you to do it. He said, have faith in him that he will do it. He needs you in the mix. He needs you to apply faith to his word so he can show himself powerful. He never asked the Israelites to go and defeat all those He just asked them to step out in faith and that he would come down and take care of it. Does anyone remember how the walls around Jericho fell down? Did everyone just, all right, everyone grab a brick and pull. Where's the sledgehammers? No, the last time I checked, he just needed people with radical faith to walk around a wall for seven days. And then on the seventh day, walk around it seven times. And the, my Bible says that he brought the walls down. Because he who calls you also will do it. <laughs> I hope I'm encouraging your faith today. I hope we're edifying, strengthening, building up some faith today. Because some of us have been wandering around our mountains wondering, how am I going to do this? And God's saying, I never asked you to do it. I asked you to have faith that I could do it. So just believe in me. I'm faithful. I'm trustworthy. I've shown myself faithful before, and I'll do it again. Believe me that I can do it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast. Hold fast. This is the whole book of Hebrews, guys. This isn't just a few verses I'm pointing out. This is the message. Hold fast. Be steadfast. Endure. Don't waver. Don't doubt. Have faith. I mean, this is the faith book. Hebrews chapter 11 is what they call the faith chapter, and they just go down the line, man. Moses, Abraham, Sarah, Joshua. People that operated in faith in God. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? For he who promised 
is faithful. He who promised is faithful. I don't think they have this verse in there, but I'm going to read it anyways. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Starting with verse 11. Is it in there? Hebrews 6 verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Diligence. To the full assurance of hope. When? Until the end. Pastor Mark, how long do I stay in faith for this healing? How long do I stay in faith for these finances? Until you see it. Until it happens. Until the end. That you do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. That was the word. That was the promise to Abraham. Thousands of years before the promised land shows up. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he patiently endured, I want people to patiently endure, patiently wait with faith, mixing faith with God's word. You know what he's given you a word about. You know. You know the promises he's made in your life. You know the promises that he's given you. And you're not seeing, in fact, for some of you, the situation has gotten worse since the promise came. Some of you, your daughter was dying when you went to Jesus, and now she's dead. Now what are you going to do? We're going to cower away? We're going to become sluggish and lazy? Second guess? Start operating in doubt and wavering, going from this position to this position? One day God can do it, and the next day God can't? Or are we going to become immovable? Are we going to become solid? Are we going to mix faith with his word? He's looking for people that will look at their natural circumstance and tell it, this is how it's going to be, and it's not going to be any other way. I don't care what you show me. I don't care what you produce or reproduce. I don't care what happens. I don't care what I hear. I don't care what everybody else is saying or doing. I'm going to stand out on the edge of the boat and I'm going to say, this is what the Lord says. For some of you, that means you've got to get back in God's word. You're going to have to remind yourself of the promise. Some of you have fallen so far away from the promise that he made in your life that you don't even remember what the promise was anymore. Well, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. If you don't hear God's word, you have nothing to attach your faith to. So some of you are going to have to get back in the word. You're going to have to get the word on your situation so you can build faith in it. Some of you are going to have to shut down outside voices that are telling you it's different than what you know it's supposed to be. Some of you are going to have to get away from some people that keep telling you how it is and start getting around some people and telling you what it's supposed to be. Diligence. With all diligence. Shedding every resource, every time. Everything I have to give to this thing so I can see the desired result. Mixing takes work. I mean, these days we've got cake in a box. (laughs) Back in the old days, they had to mix some stuff. Back in the old days, they didn't have mixers put it all in a bowl and start going at it and working it 
work in it. Work in it. Not getting lazy. Work in it. Remaining diligent. Not being sluggish. Not falling away. And guess what? Your faith is getting bigger. Your faith is getting stronger. Some of the times that I felt the greatest, or or let me put it this way, some of the times that I saw the greatest results after working out was when I felt like total trash at the end of the workout. Couldn't even walk out of the place. Couldn't drive home. I felt like I had my power steering went out on my steering wheel trying to, oh, can't straighten out my arms. Can't sit down. But what? It was being worked. It was being tested. It was being tried. It was being proven. So the next time I went back in, I could push more than when I was there last. It's diligence. But God is looking for those people that will believe not in yourself, not in any natural ability, not in any bank loan, not in any doctor or medication, but that they will believe in the one true almighty God that he can do it. He will show himself faithful. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a faithful God. Father, in the times when things are trying, when it seems like things are going in the wrong direction, Father, we hold fast to your faithfulness. We put ourselves in remembrance of the things that you have done for us. But Father, we want to charge on. You said the kingdom suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. This isn't child's play. This isn't a game. This is life. You've called every person in this room with a great purpose, a great design, But Father, it's going to require faith to live out everything you've called us to do. So Father, help our unbelief. Forgive us for the times that we couldn't believe and wouldn't believe. Father, forgive us for the times that we doubted you and doubted your word. Father, help our unbelief. As we strive to see better as we strive to see the best come in our lives, Father, we thank you that we put put ourselves in a position to believe for greater so that we can see greater. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.